I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, your nightmares about clowns are about to be refueled. I've got a review of the screen adaptation of Stephen King's It. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. We'll put the summer movie season to rest and gear up for the fall TV season. Plus, last season's biggest TV show comes home. First, it's the news from the couch. I am still a young woman. Look at my hands. Gorgeous. Look at my neck. Okay. Thank you. The library staircase goes right up and smashes through the glass ceiling. Exactly what it's like to be a woman. Madam President, how come you never talk about your stay in Arizona? Leon West will not let go. Who follows me around and thinks about me 24-7 nonstop. (laughs) Cuckoo. The critically acclaimed HBO comedy Veep will come to an end after its next season. What we just heard there was a promo for this spring six-season finale, and this week, the powers that be decreed that season seven will be the last. And that's just about perfect. I've long said seven seasons should be the limit for almost any series, comedic or dramatic. Certainly, that should be the case when the show is serialized, like Veep is. It stars Julia Louis-Dreyfus as Selena Myers, who started the series as the Vice President of the United States, and it's followed her political adventures in Washington, most of which have been humiliating. She's always surrounded by her shall we say, colorful, doting staff, the best of which is Richard T. Splett. Actually, you know what, I can email you. Or, you know, you can email me at uh, splett2 at splettnet.net. Splett one's my father. I mean, it'll be sad to see him go, but it'll be nice to get my hands on that handle. He stole the season again this year when he became the sperm donor for Selena's daughter and her girlfriend. His trip to the doctor to make his donation was particularly memorable. Never done this before. You just go in the room and Uh, build uh, it. Never. Does it hurt? Oh, no, Richard. No, but how is that possible? Louis Dreyfus told The Hollywood Reporter this week, quote, it became clear that this season should be the last season. We don't want to repeat ourselves or wear out our welcome. The story has a finality to it that feels end of series. Again, good move. She's no dummy. Jerry taught her to leave on a high note. So we get one more season of Selena, Richard, and the other fan favorite, the odious Jonah, sometime in 2018. How am I doing? So much I'm son. Hey! What? This is an elementary school. Watch your spewing mouth, you animal. <laughs> what do you say? Like. Darkness. The balance. Star Wars fans are eagerly awaiting the answers to what Luke Skywalker's talking about in the trailer for Episode 8, The Last Jedi, but questions are already being raised about the as-yet-entitled Episode 9. There was some drama behind the scenes this week, wherein the director, Colin Trevorrow, was fired. Excuse me! Kathleen Kennedy, the lady in charge of the franchise, gave him the heave-ho. Trevorrow had this reaction. Strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. He was hired last year, largely, everyone presumed, on the back of his massive hit, Jurassic World. She was designed to be bigger than the T-Rex. What happened to the sibling? She ate it. (laughs) 
While that was a smash hit, not everyone liked it, including a lot of Star Wars nerds who were apprehensive about Trevorrow being given the keys to something as precious as Episode Nine. I got a bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. Very bad feeling about this. Even still, there is always hope in the Star Wars universe. Rebellions are built on hope. But there's occasionally this as well. Misa called Jaja Binks. Misa, your humble servant. Excuse me. Having changing directors is becoming a bit of a thing over at Lucasfilm. The Han Solo spin-off movie directors were recently fired and replaced with Ron Howard. No word yet on who will take the helm of Episode 9. A smart bet would be Ryan Johnson, who directed The Last Jedi and could jump in with both feet fairly easily. The Last Jedi comes out this December. Even you have never faced such a test. It's the most wonderful I've time. always loved Christmas, but as a mom, it's a lot of work. In between the wrapping, the shopping, the cooking, the decorating. Sweetie, we don't drink the tree water. Because we're people, right? Oh, God, make it stop. There's almost no time to actually enjoy it. And only one thing. Oh, no. What is it? Could make it even more stressful. My mother's coming for Christmas. Oh, my f***ing God. That is from the latest Red Band trailer released this week for A Bad Mom's Christmas, which is coming in just under two months. Hi, Mom. Hey, hey. Mom? What the actual f***? I'm here to see my daughter on Easter. It's Christmas. Christmas. I cannot wait to spend every waking minute with you. Oh, no. Where's your tree? I guess I should've been around this week. No, clearly not at the gym. Well, I'm a 34-year-old woman, and she's still telling me how to live my life. My mom got her hair cut and colored exactly like mine. Is that normal? The first Bad Moms debuted in July 2016 and made a respectable $183 million worldwide. It starred Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell, and Katherine Hahn as frustrated moms who grew tired of trying to be perfect. This new one is about their bad moms who come home for Christmas. Yeah. I want to throw a Christmas party. Where, in my house? Yes, and 184 people are coming. How much did this cost? Can you put a price tag on Wonder? I actually just wanted to enjoy Christmas this year. You are a mom. Moms don't enjoy, they give joy. She's gonna keep treating you like this until you fight her. Physically? I don't want you to meet my mom. I do this how the moms I are played by Christine Baranski from The Good Wife and the spin-off The Good Fight, Cheryl Hines, most notably Larry David's wife in Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Susan Sarandon from Everything. Much like in the first movie, our three heroes get fed up and rebel. Christmas is supposed to be fun. Stay Christmas back. No more perfect gifts, no more perfect decorations, no more perfect anything. Let's put the back in Christmas. That didn't come out exactly as I planned it, but you guys get what I mean. The first movie did not have the greatest reviews, but as mentioned, it was a hit with a great cast. This new one has an even better cast, even with a supporting role from Justin Hartley from the NBC hit show This Is Us. He plays a stripper. The Bad Mom's Christmas opens November 3rd. I light it up, I set it off for all day and all night. I'm kind of on a first date with Santa number two. How did you guys meet? Oh, waxing his b****. Slight sting on your I can pull my b****** open for you if you want. Next up, a movie with an almost identical setup. Hey guys, 
We got a big surprise. A trampoline? Another pony? Fake IDs? It's even better. This year, no more back and forth at Christmas. We're not doing the back and forth. Nope, I just said that. Yay! A together Christmas like a normal family. A together Christmas! Hello? Grandpa Kurt? That's right. It's Christmas, and the parents are coming home to ruin everything. But this time, it's all guys. Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell are back in the new trailer for Daddy's Home 2, and they're bringing their dads, Mel Gibson and John Lithgow. My dad is going to scoff at everything we do. Your father hasn't met the new Evolve Dusty. I mean, who wouldn't be impressed with you? Bear. Oh, dear God. This is going to come off weird, Dusty, but he's beautiful. Why don't you bring the car around? I'm not the driver. I'm Brad. Stepdad? My dad's coming, too. Dad! Red sweater. He wears a red sweater so I can see him in a crowd. There's my big man! (laughs) Red sweater. (laughs) The first Daddy's Home debuted Christmas Day 2015. Much like Bad Moms, it was a respectable hit earning a bigger sum of $250 million worldwide. So this code dads thing. You gotta ask another man's permission to see your own kids. Everything is rock solid between me and Brad here. In fact, best friends. Really? Brad, thank you. Stop it. I'm good. Because we're boys. <laughs> However, unlike Bad Moms, which got ho-hum reviews, Daddy's Home got lousy reviews. I just I don't under, understand how so many comedies in recent years with great casts can get such bad reviews. I mean, listen to this. This sounds funny. Don't you see what he's up to? He thinks you and me are harboring bad feelings. No, I'm not harboring anything. I just want to find the perfect together Christmas tree. You don't think I can operate a chainsaw? Oh, yeah! Cut like butter! Brad, isn't that a... <laughs> Brad, cut down the cell phone tower. I think Brad's dead again. Anyway, I think both sequels look like a blast. Once again, A Bad Mom's Christmas opens November 3rd, and Daddy's Home 2 opens on November 10th, complete with a return roll from John Cena. Daddy! Don't you want to spend the holidays with your one true, real dad? You brought him all the way up here just to get back at me? Yep. You're opening up the harbor, Brad. Oh, the harbor's wide open, right. and it's Fleet Week. This is getting good, boys. Do you wonder ever... You're a bad man. World needs bad men. We keep the other bad men from the door. The world may need bad men, and it looks like we'll see some more from that world. If you haven't heard yet, HBO's True Detective is coming back. Someone once told me that all your love, your hate, was all the same thing. It was all a dream. There's a monster at the end of it. When True Detective premiered in 2014, no one knew what to expect, and it blew us all away. Brilliant performances from Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, highlighting an engrossing, mesmerizing police story that went back and forth through time. It was the talk of the TV landscape in early 2014, with people thinking we had the next great series on our hands, like The Wire or Breaking Bad. Then season two happened. I welcome judgment. Season 2 was widely panned by audiences and critics. HBO and the show's creator Nick 
Pizzolatto said they were too rushed with that one. Well, now they've had a few years and are set to make a third season. The cast will be led by the Oscar-winning Best Supporting Actor from Moonlight, Mahershala Ali, which immediately makes it a worthwhile endeavor because he has got it and is always a joy to watch. Piz will be back as well. He's writing all the episodes, although I guess after that second season, HBO is giving him a little help in the form of David Milch, one of the best TV writers to have ever lived. He wrote for Hill Street Blues, NYPD Blue, Deadwood Blue. Uh, Milch knows what he's doing in that regard. We also know, according to Deadline, that this third season will be set in the Ozarks, just like the Netflix show Ozark. No word yet, though, on when the new season of True Detective will air. Just what is it you think we found? Something deep and dark, detectives. Something deep and dark. That is the news from the couch. Up next, we'll tell you what is coming to home video this upcoming week. And a little bit later, I have a review of It and Jeff went to see a 40-year-old classic. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes, having a look now at what is coming to home video. And you've pulled a clip here, Jeff, for easily the highlight of the lot. For your favorite show, it's uh, This Is Us. I know how complicated this delivery could get. We're not going to have this conversation. Jack, but we need to have We're this not having this conversation because it's not going to happen. I won't give up. I'm walking out of this hospital with three healthy babies and one healthy wife. I'm going to need everyone in this room to believe that only good things are going to happen here today. Actually, I don't just want you to believe it. I want you to know it. Do you know a baby? I love you. I won't give up the big smash hit from last year, the biggest network show in quite a long time, I would suggest. Eh? Oh, yeah. As far as ratings and reviews, yeah. maybe not, you know what, actually, not, maybe not in terms of raw numbers, uh, because I think other shows like Bull and any almost anything that CBS did, oh, use, really? I think rivals This Is Us. Okay. I can't, off the top of my head, I don't know, but no one was talking about Bull. They were talking about This Is yeah, Us. Yeah, exactly. There you go. So, yeah, season one, DVD comes out on Tuesday. Um, it's also coming to Netflix on the 20th of September. If you haven't seen it, you want to check it out and sort of get caught up while season two is by then maybe just starting or about to get into the early going, you can still do it. You can catch up. It'll be on Netflix on the 20th. Excellent. Uh, wonderful series. It was uh, one of the show. I... I don't know if I made it through a single episode without welling up, at least welling up. Maybe not outright crying, but at least yeah. maybe welling. Just get a little, little He was good at tears. that. That yeah. first episode, that's one of the best pilot episodes I think we've ever seen of anything. Agreed. Um, a lot of other TV coming home on Blu-ray and DVD. Chicago Justice, Season 1, Chicago PD, Season 4, Season 3 of Empire, Season 3 of Scorpion, Season 10 of The Big Bang Theory, the HBO comedy Silicon Valley, Season 4 and Veep, Season 6, and Orphan Black, Season 5, the oh, fifth and final season, eh? That's right, the final season. I imagine there would be a box set of some sort that... Little Brett could put on his Christmas wish list uh, before December rolls around. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it'd be kind of neat to watch it again, but I don't know that I have any. It's one of those. Any effort to, or any need to see it yeah. again. Yeah. All right. A couple of movies as well. Captain Underpants, which uh, a buddy of mine took his kids to see that, said it was hilarious. And The Mummy, starring Tom Cruise, which uh, did not do as well as the people who made The Mummy hoped it would. No, it did not. And finally, on digital HD, so... Again, if you're not familiar with digital HD, that's platforms like iTunes or Google Play or whatever sort of uh, yeah. service like that. Transformers The Last Night. <sighs> this is the fifth 
movie in this Transformers series. I didn't even, much like the fourth one, I did not go see this in theaters. Uh, the fourth one was Age of Extinction, this fifth one again the last night. And it was a bit of a flop in North America, $130 million, yep. which is actually, I think, less than some of the other movies have made in their opening weekends. Uh, but its worldwide take is $604 million. Well, there you go. That's not bad because the Transformers are... It's a universal thing where it doesn't much matter what the characters are saying in English. Yeah. Everyone just wants to watch the robots fight. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and actually, you know what? It doesn't look like any of the movies uh, cleared uh, over and hmm. more than $108 million in their opening weekends, but still, 130 that's not very good. Yeah. Uh, one last note over on Netflix. If you want to watch the movie Interstellar, it's done on Monday the 11th, so your last chance to watch that for free on Netflix is this weekend. Excellent. Yep. Uh, this is us, I think. I just want to double check when that comes back. I'm pretty sure uh, it's the last week of September. That last week of September seems that's the big week Yeah, for returning shows. And I saw a preview of it. Uh, NBC had like a little... Uh, oh, September 26th. Uh, there you go. Season 2, September 26th. There. So season 1 on Netflix on the 20th. You got one week to get caught up. All right. Up next, I'll review... It. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. I now have a review of a long-awaited big-screen adaptation of a popular book. My grandfather thinks this town is cursed. That all the bad things that happen in this town are because of one thing. An evil thing. It's Stephen King's It. Bill, if you will come with me, we'll float too. George. I saw something. A clown. Yeah, I saw him too. The film is set in Derry, Maine in the late 1980s. It's about a group of kids called the Losers Club who discover that... Other kids have started to go missing, so they do some investigating. It is Pennywise the Clown. At least that is how it likes to manifest itself for the most part. It is an evil entity that feeds on fear. The book was released in 1986, a beastly novel at over 1,100 pages. It was adapted into a TV miniseries in 1990 with Tim Curry playing the clown. This new one features Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. He was previously in a Netflix show called Hemlock Grove. He also had a small role in this summer's Atomic Blonde. And the cast of kids features one of the kids from the Netflix series Stranger Things. Finn Wolfhard, who plays Mike Wheeler on that show. Kind of a nice touch they got one of those kids because that show was partly inspired by Stephen King's It. This movie has been in development for nearly 10 years. That's often a bad sign. They also lost a director along the way, which is another bad sign. How did it end up doing? What happens when another Georgie goes missing? Or one of us? Are you just gonna pretend it isn't happening like everyone else in this town? If we stick together, we'll win. It's okay, Jeff. You can put your headphones back on. Okay, good. 
The the lost director, by the way, is Carrie Fukunuga, who helmed season one of True Detective. The reins were eventually taken by Andres Muschietti, who previously directed the scary movie Mama, which starred Jessica Chastain, I think. So, listen, if there was ever a movie with big expectations and high hopes, it is it. Remember, Jeff, when that first trailer debuted? Yep. Set a record for being viewed like 197 million times that in the was first insane. 24 hours? Yeah, people are excited for this movie, and I'm happy to tell you that it delivers for the most part. I'll just get my complaints out of the way first. Much like the book, it's too long. That The book is an unwieldy monster at 1,138 pages. Don't get me wrong, it's a solid read. I loved reading it, but Stephen King... And at least in that book, he takes a long time to move things along. And just when it starts moving along, he introduces you to a new character. And then that story takes like 50 pages to get moving. So the book is too long. The movie is two hours and 15 minutes. Could have easily been tightened up to come in under two hours. That's not the first complaint I've heard about movies based on Stephen King books. That it's the... The book does not lend itself to a direct adaptation at all, so you got to like get more creative with it and make it more movie form, you know? Yeah. It, 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 again, I love reading the book, yeah. but it's just so long, and uh, the movie, unfortunately, is a little too long as well. Could have uh, left a little bit more on the cutting room floor. Another complaint? Not as scary as I was expecting. What? That first teaser trailer made it look horrifying. And I like a good scary movie. I know you don't, Jeff. Yeah. Not Most people don't. Most people don't like scary movies, but it makes me feel alive. It's a thrill, especially when experienced in a movie theater with other people. It just adds to the overall effect. Unfortunately, and I think maybe it's just because all of the best scary scenes are in the trailers. For real? Yeah. So Oof. like, I already knew what to expect. I knew when Pennywise was going to jump out and what he was going to do. Yeah. And the scary scenes that are not in the trailers kind of fall flat because of bad CG. As a result, some of what I saw was way less scary than what was in the TV miniseries in 1990. And of course, it was way less scary than what I conjured up in my imagination while reading the book. How in 2017 is there bad CG still? I like, know. Even the TV shows have good CG at this point. The it, feature films should have nothing but the best. There's no excuse. There's really no excuse. Uh, and I mean, I, hey, I've only read the book once. 20 years at least since I read it, but I remember sitting in my room reading the book, just terrified by what it was imagining, but I was unable to put the book down, so I was disappointed by some of the attempted scares in this. Also, the movie was really dark, as in it was hard to see what was happening on the screen dark. Not sure if that was just the particular screening I was at, because... I even found the Justice League trailer that ran before the movie kind of colorless as well. And they started that trailer with no sound, so they had to awkwardly stop it, turn the lights back on, and then take a few minutes to get it reset. Like this, why is that so hard? Drunk projectionist. Well, I, th I think the project there is no such thing as a projectionist. Uh, drunk uh, computer operator. Drunk, drunk computer, yeah. So I think that, that the computer probably started the movie, and then they had to get a person to go up and oh, redo God. it. We don't have time. Do we have 10 seconds for my story about something like that? Sure. There will be blood 20 minutes in dies. Oh no. They started it over from the beginning and that movie is the first 20 minutes there's no dialogue it's just watching him mine. Yeah. So I had to do that twice in a row and it was like already 45 minutes into the screening. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> how, how long were you there for? That's and a long And it's a movie. three hour long movie. Oh, yeah yeah jeez. <laughs> so uh, more on the scary th that's, uh, that's basically my complaints but uh, more on the scary factor. 
Yes, I was disappointed by the scary stuff from a perspective of being a fan of horror films. But I always loved those uh, kids' adventure movies growing up, like The Goonies or E.T. So this felt like a scary kind of movie like that. So it was still a lot of fun from that point of view. It was a scary adventure. Pennywise. How was Pennywise? If you're a fan of the book or the miniseries, I think you'll be pleased with what they've done here. Because it's not quite the same Pennywise, and I think that's a really good thing because it helps to just eliminate the who was better at playing Pennywise discussion. Tim Curry was outstanding in the miniseries because he was both hilarious and menacing, for example. Last chance, Tasha. Get up before it gets dark tonight. You're too old to stop me. You're all too old. Mike Hammond. If you see hey, excuse me, sir. Do you have Prince Albert in a can? You do? Well, you better let the poor guy out. <laughs> so in that show, he actually was a clown. He goofed around a lot, which I think actually made him all that the more scary when he was scary because he sort of lulls you into this false sense of security because he's a clown and he's joking around and then, oop, he kills you. Bill Skarsgård, on the other hand, is pretty much just terrifying. This Pennywise does not tell jokes, and it's super effective, it's creepy, it's unsettling. The best part, though, was the kids. The kids! They were so good. Wonderfully acted across the board with amazing dialogue. Finn Wolfhard, who plays Mike on Stranger Things, as mentioned, he's dazzling as the jive-talking Richie, who I think was played by Seth Green. Is that his name? Redhead, Seth Green? Yeah, I think he played that role in the miniseries. But his little buddy, Eddie, excuse me, in this movie is also great, played by a kid named Jack Dylan Grazer. You know what? All of these kids have very bright futures ahead of them. And thanks to them, and thanks to their wonderful dialogue, you buy into the story because it has so much heart. You want these kids to defeat Pennywise and send him back into the abyss from whence he came. Nothing after the credits, by the way, so don't bother staying. But as the movie ends, we once again see the It title screen, and then it adds chapter one, indicating we will indeed get a sequel where, spoiler alert, the kids are grown up and they have to return to Derry to battle the beast once more. I actually like how they chose to tell the story this way, rather than having it set in the present and flashing back to when they were kids. Although I suppose for feature films, that's the only way that would have made sense. The flashbacks worked in the context of a four-hour miniseries, which aired on Sunday and then Monday, but certainly wouldn't work for two movies separated by however many years because they don't have a release date yet for this. Overall, it is a great time at the movies. It's scary, maybe not as scary as I'd hoped, but the kids are superb. The movie has heart, and Pennywise is downright creepy. Four couch cushions out of five. I look forward to chapter two. Now I need to go back and watch that miniseries. And I should read the book too, but God, that'll take me forever. (laughs) I'm such a slow reader. And it's like a thousand pages, right? Yeah, Yeah. 1138. God. Want to do Close Encounters right now? Yeah, sure. I saw a movie this week as well, an old movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I'm seeing this shape. Damn it, I know this. I know what this is. This means something. What did you expect to find? An answer. The 
the 40th anniversary of Steven Spielberg's classic Close Encounters of the Third Kind was in theaters this past week. They gussied it up from a technological standpoint. They didn't really screw around with it the way he did with E.T. or Lucas did with his original Star Wars trilogy. Although, I believe this was called the Director's Cut. There have been a few different cuts over the years. All the same, give or take one or two scenes here and there. Some versions this scene's in, this other scene's out, and then it flips in the next one. They're both in, they're both out, that sort of thing. Um, it's just the same great movie as it ever was. I hadn't seen it in probably 20 years. I had forgotten some of it, but still super cool and wondrous and all that good stuff. If you've never seen it, it's about aliens coming to Earth and how the Earthlings react to it. Richard Dreyfuss is the main guy, a family man obsessed with the aliens. I don't think I realized it 20 years ago, but the uh, mom from A Christmas Story in it as well. Wow. Yeah, that was neat. Um, it's got a lot of Spielberg's trademark assured style. Some flash, but not too much flash. Basically, I find with his movies, there's just this overall sense that we as the audience are in very capable hands. Like an earthquake couldn't shake a Spielberg movie to the ground. There's just that solid. It might lead to some predictability, but I'll trade that for the, the feeling of the steady hand on my shoulder any day. It is a joy to watch his blockbusters because you can immerse yourself in them fully and completely knowing you won't be let down. I would say go see Close Encounters in theater, but it looks like that run has already ended, just a one-week deal. A new Blu-ray version does come out on the 19th. Uh, and I assume the Blu-ray will have the same making of documentary that played before the film in the theater. I thought that was pretty cool. My girlfriend, who'd never seen Close Encounters, didn't think it was that cool. Spoilers and all. Um, but and I think it made about $2 million the week it was out. Not bad for a 40-year-old movie. It was also, as you may have heard, the worst weekend in years at the box office, capping off the worst summer in decades. And it was a pretty terrible summer uh, at the movies, Brett, wouldn't you say? I mean, July and August really didn't have much at all. Earlier in the season, a few things. But basically, if superheroes, the odd cartoon, and none of those really this year, and Vin Diesel are the only things you can bank on, Hollywood might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, you just got to believe, and you got to, like, it's 10 years since the superhero surge really began with Iron Man. The superhero fatigue has got to start setting in, doesn't it? Oh, well, and especially with DC getting into the mix now. Yeah. Like, I, I just, this year it was hard to tell because, you know, despite being a sequel, Guardians of the Galaxy is weird and different from other superhero movies. Wonder Woman was definitely different from other superhero movies. And Spider-Man, one of the most popular comic book characters, fans were aching for a new fun adventure with him. Those all did well, but basically all three of those movies were also, you know, pretty fresh compared to a lot of superhero stuff we usually get and what's in store more batman superman thor avengers stuff we've seen plenty of already in just the last three or four years yeah it uh it's the box office sort of season this year i think was a little bit of a surprise because there were so many failures like pirates yeah. of the caribbean was yeah. a bit of a failure transformers was domestically speaking at least a failure um, the cartoons were like Cars 3 and Despicable Me 3, yeah. and while those have been popular, those have never been top of the heap kind of things. I guess Beauty and the Beast, for kids' movies, that one did amazing. Well, and that was in March, that was in, even that was in, in the March. summer yeah. season. Yeah, and even Fate of the Furious was at the beginning of April, and the week after that was Guardians, right? So, like, those were really early in whatever we're calling the summer movie season now. Yeah, well, summer, the, I think the season is May through to the end of August, although more and more they, the movie companies seem to be moving away from anything, putting anything decent, at least in the back half of August, yeah. because they know people are trying to get their yeah. last kicks at the can for Outdoors. summer. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a bit of a disappointment, and you know, all the comedies that failed too. Baywatch was a miserable failure. Yep. There was that Rough Night movie with Scarlett Johansson, which... 
came and went in the in a blink. There was Snatched, which I thought for sure would be a huge hit, and it came and went. There was the Amy Poehler, Will Ferrell one. Oh, was it called The House? Yeah, that's they, right. The Casino in the House movie. That yeah. bombed terribly. So the the movies are not doing, they're, they're not making good movies, yeah. and as a result, people aren't bothering to waste their time or money because they have access to reviews, and they can say, decide, well, I'm not going to bother even trying this that's now. That's true, yeah. Uh, so yeah, hopefully they, they, they figure it out, because I too am... I love superhero movies, but I'm getting... I want to see some fresh stuff. Up next, we'll quickly tell you what is coming to your television. The fall season just around the corner. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brad McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. Going to have a quick look at what is coming to your television because the fall season is upon us. Yep. What do we got here, Jeff? Right now, there's a new season of BoJack Horseman on Netflix. On Sunday, the NFL actually started on Thursday, but it'll be on a bunch of channels all day Sunday. And also on Sunday, there's a new show from Seth MacFarlane called The Orville. He's the guy that made Family Guy, and it's like a Star Trek comedy slash drama. It looks weird, and I'm not quite sure about it, but I am definitely going to check it out as a curiosity. Yeah, I saw one review headline that said, Drop it to half an hour and focus on the comedy, and then let's talk. And how is Seth MacFarlane, he's just an actor now? Is that his thing? Like, how's that guy even got time to be an actor? Yeah, in developing shows. He thinks he's a, (laughs) I think he thinks he's a bigger star than he is. I think you're right. Uh, Over on HBO, a show called The Deuce starring James Franco, and that's from David Simon. And if you don't know that name, he invented The Wire, so it's probably a good show. There's also Fear the Walking Dead's coming back. James Uh, Franco plays two characters in that, by the way. I think he plays twin brothers. He's twins. It's the prestige. On Monday, September 11th, Monday Night Football, of course. I keep mentioning the football because they'll get the best ratings of any of these shows. (laughs) Yep. On Wednesday, South Park. It's season 21. It's on Comedy Central in the U.S. I'm not sure what channel it's on in Canada. It's definitely not on Wednesday night on the Comedy Network. I checked that. Crave TV, I know, has old episodes and not sure about new ones. I couldn't really... I looked for like 10 minutes and couldn't figure it out. <laughs> okay. So whatever. And then on Thursday, the 14th, uh, the FX show Better Things is back for season two. All right. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He is Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. You can get us on podcast, Google Play, or on iTunes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.